So this is a, an interesting passage in Isaiah that we, we've been given this morning. And when you look at it really quickly, you probably felt like I felt when I read it the first time this week. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes that happens a lot with Scripture. You're just like, okay. And then as you dig deeper, as you do what we call exegetical work, right? When you, when you get into the Word and into the weeds of the Word, things start to come out. Things start to make a little more sense. Sometimes you can read something and right away, oh, wow, that's what God is saying to me. That's what God is using this scripture. But other times you have to sit with it and you have to wrestle. Come to terms with it. And so that was what happened to me this week with this particular passage. And so let's see where we come out at the end. And you might be at the end still saying, huh? We'll see what happens. This past week, I had the, my family had the privilege and the joy of celebrating my mom's 80th birthday. So we gathered in, in her home uh, with my dad and, and my sisters and all our children and her grandchildren and great-grandchild. And, uh, and we just celebrated her life. Uh, I have to tell you that... that we're in transition because both my parents have been diagnosed with dementia. And so they're at different, different places on this journey. And the fact that she is still able to re- remember and recognize and, and give thanks to God. She got really emotional seeing all her grandchildren and children. And, and so it was a really beautiful sight. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Because I think back over the course of my life and I give thanks to God that, that I had a godly mother who loved the Lord, who served God, who was what you would call one of those prayer warriors in the church. If something was going on and you needed prayer, she was going to be praying. I remember when we were over at Asbury, she believed in the power of prayer. And so one particular Sunday, she gets up to come to the altar, because we had altar prayer at Asbury. She gets up to come to the altar, and I was moving forward to, to put my hands on her and pray over her. And she stopped me, and she said, no, I want Janet to pray for me. I said, but I'm your son. No, I want Janet to pray for me. And I said, okay, with Janet. And Janet came over and prayed for her. And afterwards, I said, what was significant about Janet praying for you versus me praying for you? She said, Janet prays with power. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Janet prays with power. I can confirm that. Uh, but she has lived an authentic life of faith in the God of all creation. And as her mind falters and, and her memory lapses, the God of all creation is still very present in her life. Right? And so I give thanks to God for that. Think about that. 
living an authentic life of faith. That's what we're going to talk about for the most part. As God provides signs for our lives. I remember a couple of years ago, a number of years ago actually, I had a conversation with David McNitsky. It was sitting in his office and we were talking about the signs that God provides for us. The signs that God gives us to confirm God's plan and God's will for our lives. And it was a a hearty discussion, and we, we were sharing what we felt and what we believed. And, and David said uh, two things that stuck with me uh, regarding that conversation. The first thing he said is, some, most of the time, God, you can know something is from God because he will provide three opportunities or three individuals or three different experiences that help confirm that, right? So if you've heard the same thing three times from three different sources, you might want to pay attention. It might be God speaking to you. So that that kind of stuck with me. And I started to reflect about those times that I was wondering if God was really uh, speaking to me and, and, and I could identify three different individuals or sources telling me the same thing. The other thing he said that really stuck with me was that God provides signs. God provides the message. God provides the word. God provides. But it's up to us to receive it. To accept it. To believe it. And to receive it, to accept it, and to believe it requires faith. It requires that we have faith. The signs that God provides, the signs that that flash in front of us from God, require that we have faith to receive them, to hear them, to see them. Authentic faith. What is it? What is faith? Well, I can tell you that the writer of Hebrews defines faith in this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And so we look at of that definition of faith, we can say that assurance equals reality. Conviction equals evidence. In other words, faith is knowing that what we hope for is real. That our faith is, or that our hope is not a fantasy, it's not a folktale, but rather it's our reality. Faith is all all the evidence we need to know that what we believe is true. Faith. As a result of this understanding, faith is not so much 
an intellectual acceptance of an idea, but rather a complete surrender of self to God. Faith is not so much an intellectual acceptance of an idea, but rather a complete surrender of self to God. Think back, if you can, those of you who were here, about our conversation, the message on the difference between being committed to God and being surrendered to God. This is not semantics. There is a difference, right? And the difference is control. When you're committed to something, when you're committed to an idea, when you're committed to God and to the plan of God in your life, the, the, the reality is that you're still in control of that commitment. You can change it at will. But when you're surrendered to God, when you've waved the white flag of surrender to the will of God in your life, you've given up that control. And you've said, okay, God, you're in control of my life. Now I need to pay attention to where you're leading me. Living into our faith means learning to rely on our faith in God. I want you to hear that again. Living into our faith means learning to rely on our faith that we have in God. In other words, trusting God and trusting where God is leading. And this is what the prophet Isaiah is trying to convey to King Ahaz in today's scripture reading. See, at first sight, when I read that, I'm like, huh? Well, this is kind of mumble-jumble. But as you dig deeper, what Isaiah is trying to get across, what Isaiah is trying to convey to Ahaz is that you need to rely and trust in God. In fact, Isaiah says, test God. Ahaz says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Test God. He'll give you a sign. But Ahaz would have none of that. And so it's important to note that even when we do not ask for a sign, as Ahaz was not asking for a sign, or even want a sign. Please don't show me anything that I can. Oh Lord, no. God can still give us a sign. God can put a message there. Even when we're not ready to receive it, or even when we don't want to receive it, or even when we don't expect to receive it, God can still provide a sign. It's also important to note that This passage is the first of three passages in Isaiah that are used by the New Testament writers to claim Jesus as the fulfillment of hope as God's anointed one or Messiah. That's a side note. I want you to know that. 
Keep in mind though that in the context of Isaiah's time, the text has a purpose and a meaning for the original audience of the writer. Isaiah is writing with a purpose, addressing a concern in his day for the people of his day. And it may have been different than the original audience of the New Testament writer who is taking these passages and applying them for a purpose in their context. Which may be different for us today. But here's what I want you to hear about that. God can take this passage that was intended to a specific audience by a specific writer and then that, 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 that passage was taken by another author thousands of years later for a different audience and then we receive it today in a different context, in a different time and God is able to transcend time and space and use the inspired words of scriptures in all times. That deserves an amen. amen. Right? Here it is. God is writing in through the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz for a specific time, for a specific purpose. Then the gospel writers are going to take this passage and use it for a specific time, for a specific purpose to announce that the king, the Messiah is coming and we can read it two to four thousand years later. And God transcends time and space and provides us with a sign today, with the message today. Now in the context of King Ahaz's times, here's the reality. He is fearful because he is facing an attack from the kingdoms of Aram and Israel. That's the reality of his time, right? That's what's going on. He's afraid because these two kingdoms are rising up against his and they're getting ready to attack. And the prophet Isaiah is trying to assure Ahaz that God will provide a Messiah and is calling on Ahaz to stand firm in his faith. God will provide a Messiah and calling on Ahaz to remain firm in his faith. And verse 9, if we were to read that, reads, If you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Now, with regard to the gospel message, we were given a sign when love came down to be Emmanuel, God with us. That was a sign. In fact, the gospel of Matthew tells us a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 
And the Gospel of John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made his home among us. These are signs of God's presence, of God's faithfulness. Of God's provision. So what does this mean for us today? More than 2,000 years after the gospel message was written. Or 4,000 years after the prophet Isaiah writes. How does God transcend time and space for us today? Like King Ahaz, we are being called to trust that God is who God claims to be. We are being called to trust that God is who God claims to be. We are being called to live into the faith we proclaim. Faith in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is King. That Jesus Christ is alive. That Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's what we're proclaiming. That's the faith that we're called to in the Christian walk, in the Christian way. Amen? And so we're called to live into that. This faith that we proclaim. We are being called to share the faith we have by living as authentically as we can as followers and believers in Jesus Christ. Living authentically into that faith in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to live authentically? First it means not to live as a counterfeit. Right? As a fake. That this faith we proclaim is real. It's something that, that we, we need. That we cherish. We can question it and we can wrestle with it. And we often do. And so just to <laughs> relieve you from any stress, your pastor wrestles with his faith. And questions God all the time. And that's okay. Because God can handle my questions. Right? When I have doubt. When I'm unsure. When, when I'm struggling with something. And I look up to God. I say, what are you doing? God can handle that. And there will be times that God answers me like he answers Job. Were you there when I created the foundation of the world? 
No. No. You're right. I'm sorry. And there are times when God will say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. We're being called to live authentically, as authentically as we can, as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, our promised Messiah. It's not enough to know God with our heads or to know God only with our heads. You've got to know God with your head, with your mind. That's important. God doesn't need robots, right? (laughs) You've got to know God with your heads. But you also need to know God with your heart. There was a number of years ago a statement that said, you don't want to miss heaven by 18 inches, which is the distance between your head and your heart, right? You want to know God with your head. You, we, we don't want to be mindless. We want to think about things. We want to wrestle with God. We want to question God. We want to deal with our doubts. We want to read and understand and, and study and, and pray. We want to use the minds that God has given us. But we also want to receive God with our hearts. Wesley said it's a heart matter. The heart is important. So it's not enough just to know God with our heads, to know the factual information that we read in Scripture. That's important, but it's not enough. Faith will have you know God with your heart. The evidence of things unseen. And so this Advent season... As we remember the first advent, the first coming of the baby Jesus, let us strive to follow and serve Jesus our Messiah with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength as we wait for his second coming. Or as we wait for him to call us home, whichever comes first, right? Jesus may come back while we're still alive. Praise God, right? We'll see him coming in the clouds, in the sky, and and we'll see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Or Jesus might call you home tonight. Let us strive to follow and serve Jesus, our Messiah, with all our hearts, with all our minds, and all our strength as we wait. And let us be watchful for the signs that God provides along the way. In Jesus' name, amen.